Retrace 114 for Thursday, January 12th, 2023. Talking about technological danger. This is part two. Yesterday we said that beliefs and the feelings they cause determine what chances we take, but possibilities don't care about our feelings. And today we're going to talk about freedom. <laughs> Say it like that. Freedom. We're going to talk about freedom and losing freedom. Uh, what does it look like? I predicted... Uh, the freedom is going to decrease over the next 20 years. I don't know what's going to happen after that. Nobody does. Nobody even knows the next 20 years. But um, what is that decrease going to look like? Got a few people here who are going to try to tell us, mostly mathematicians and philosophers, one terrorist. All right, let's dive in. Norbert Wiener, mathematician. I guess the question we should be asking as we read through this passage is, is this what's at stake in the struggle for freedom of thought and communication. And by the way, this excerpt is from the sort of censored version of his um, human use of human beings. So uh, I cite 54 in the notes, but it, you can get to the 1950 edition that has Voices of Rigidity, that chapter. It's not in the later editions. They took it out. Okay, this is from that chapter. I have said before that man's future on earth will not be long unless man rises to the full level of his inborn powers. For us, to be less than a man is to be less than alive. Those who are not fully alive do not live long, even in their world of shadows. I have said, moreover, that for man to be alive is for him to participate in a worldwide scheme of communication. It is to have the liberty to test new opinions and to find which of them point somewhere and which of them simply confuse us. It is to have the variability to fit into the world in more places than one, the variability which may lead us to have soldiers when we need soldiers, but which also leads us to have saints when we need saints. It is precisely this variability and this communicative integrity of man which I find to be violated and crippled by the present tendency to huddle together according to a comprehensive prearranged plan which is handed to us from above. We must cease to kiss the whip that lashes us. He continues, There is something in personal holiness which is akin to an act of choice, and the word heresy is nothing but the Greek word for choice. Thus your bishop, however much he may respect a dead saint, can never feel too friendly toward a living one. This brings up a very interesting remark which Professor John von Neumann has made to me. He has said that in modern society, the era of the primitive church is passing, uh, sorry, in modern science, in modern science, the era of the primitive church is passing and that the era of the bishop is upon us. Indeed, the heads of great laboratories are very much like bishops, with their association with the powerful in all walks of life and the dangers they incur from the carnal sins of pride and of lust for power. On the other hand, the independent scientist, who is worth the slightest consideration as a scientist, has a, con has a consecration which comes entirely from within him, within himself, a vocation which demands the possibility of supreme self-sacrifice. I have indicated that freedom of opinion at the present time, is being crushed between the two rigidities of the church and the Communist Party. Remember, he's writing in the late 1940s. In the United States, we are in the process of developing a new rigidity which combines the methods of both while partaking of the emotional fervor of neither. Our conservatives of all shades of opinion have somehow got together to make American capitalism and the fifth freedom, economic freedom, of the businessman supreme throughout all the world. It is this simple attack on our liberties which we must resist if communication is to have the scope that it properly deserves as the central phenomenon of society and if the human individual is to reach and to maintain his full stature. 
It is again the American worship of know-how as opposed to know-what that hampers us. He's writing about communication and control theory before those were really understood as a thing. He was one of the people who brought it to life, so communication is big in his thinking and human use, and then also the book before it, Cybernetics, which is the more mathematical version of it. Okay, so that's from the 50s. Another uh, passage from the 50s, we've quoted, quoted this partially uh, from uh, Bertrand Russell. Um, we'll just uh, give the full quote now. We, we quoted it previously. Um, uh, I forget which one. I had it in here. Um, note to uh, Re49. Okay. This and the next one are, were previously quoted in Re49. Uh, the question we should ask is, will this happen? Okay, here's Russell. It is to be expected that advances in physiology and psychology will give governments much more control over individual mentality than they now have, even in totalitarian countries. Fichte laid it down that education should aim to dis- aim at destroying free will so that after pupils have left school, they should be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their schoolmasters would have wished. But in this day, this, uh, but in his day, this was an unattainable ideal. What he regarded as the best system in existence produced Karl Marx. In the future, such failures are not likely to occur where there is dictatorship. Diet, injections, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable, and any serious criticism of the, powerful, uh, the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Even if all are miserable, all will believe themselves happy because the government will tell them that they are so. And we'll just preview here that Ted Kaczynski, our terrorist and mathematician, says similar things throughout his um, his manifesto, the thing that got published at his uh, insistence while he was on his terrorist reign. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, just quickly, um, Theo Haresh, a philosopher, um, let's ask the question, is this really happening today? Meanwhile, a previously unimaginable level of thought control is fast being made accessible for every middle-income autocracy that chooses to use it visit the wrong website and your social credit score declines look up the wrong book and it drops further mention the wrong phrases on social media and it sinks so low that alarms go off in the camera rooms when your face flashes on the screen the opportunities this presents for behavioral modification are simply astonishing as the explore as the exploration of every forbidden idea or acquaintance can be made part of a social credit score uh, whose every drop causes another shock in the hearts of the lowly ranked. Yet whether or not China goes so far, they have developed the tools needed to implement a security regime more totalitarian than even that of the East German Stasi at a fraction of the effort and far lower cost for any autocrat who chooses to go for that, go that far. Uh, Russians and Turks, Poles and Hungarians could soon find themselves entering a vice from which they never escape. For once, such, uh, for once such a security regime is implemented, resistance can be shut down in ways not previously imagined, while independent thinking is gradually snuffed out. And he's writing in 2020. Um, I think it's called The Fascism This Time, that book. Uh, yeah, Harash 2020, The Fascism This Time. Yes. Okay. Really, really good book. Uh, okay. Lots of great insights in that. Okay, let's listen to Ted Kaczynski, the terrorist. I think... Um, if you can, just forget that he killed three people and, like, ruined the lives of 23 others, not to mention the friends and family. Uh, we're not listening to him because he's particular, his writing is particularly brilliant. Um, he's actually quoted in um, uh, Kurzweil's Spiritual Machines 
And that quote led me to look further into what he said. Um, and he's a smart guy, uh, but he also has a lot of the, the um, he, he falls into a lot of the pits, the pitfalls that smart people do. They tend to think they're smarter than they are, and they tend to selectively use history and selectively use logic to arrive at whatever conclusion they were leaning toward anyway based on, you know, like their adolescence, honestly. I mean, the guy had a sort of a rough life as being a super smart kid and then eventually turned into a total asshole. And, uh, but nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, his, uh, his vision stands out and, and I'm not the only person quoting it. So we're giving it some attention here with those provisos. Um, so we can ask the question, are these the only possible conclusions of industrial society? This is, uh, he was writing this, uh, this was published in the New York times in 94, 96, that time frame, but it was published later as a book, at least in 2010 and maybe before that, but you can get your hands on it in published form now. Uh, okay. Uh, paragraph 172 from his manifesto. First, let us postulate that the computer scientists succeed in developing intelligent machines that can do all things better than human beings can do them. In that case, presumably all work will be done by, the, by vast, highly organized systems of machines and no human effort will be necessary. Either of two cases might occur. The machines might be permitted to make all of their own decisions without human oversight or else human control over the machines might be retained. So those are his two scenarios okay so we either hand it all over to the machines or some human control remains and he's going to elaborate on what those two things look like paragraph 173 if the machines are permitted to make all their own decisions we can make we can't make any conjecture as to the results because it is impossible to get to guess how such machines might behave we only point out that the fate of the human race would be at the mercy of the machines. Sorry to keep interrupting, Mr. Kaczynski, but uh, this, we've gone over this so many times, I didn't feel the need to... Uh, Stuart Russell, Bostrom, Bostrom cite uh, the people who have given the most articulate voice to this scenario of losing control to the machines. But anyway, that's that's he's talking about it in the 90s. Um, I.J. Good talked about it long before in the 60s, uh, and von Neumann maybe in the 40s or 50s. Okay, so he's he's not original in this, but it is he's early, uh, and and George Dyson and and uh, um, uh, the other guy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, we only point out that the fate of the human race would be at the mercy of the machines. It might be argued that the human race would never be foolish enough to hand over all power to the machines, but we are suggesting neither that the human race would voluntarily turn power over to the machines nor that the machines would, willfully, would fully seize power. What we do suggest is that the human race might easily permit itself to drift into a position of such dependence on the machines that it would have no practical choice, the human race would have no practical choice, but to accept all of the machines' decisions. As society and the, uh, the problems that face it become more and more complex and as machines become more and more intelligent, people will let machines make more and more of their decisions for them simply because machine-made decisions will bring better results than man-made ones. Eventually, a stage may be reached at which the decisions necessary to keep the systems running, will, the system running will be so complex that human beings will be incapable of making them intelligently. At that stage, the machines will be in effective control. People won't be able to just turn off the machines because they will be so dependent on them that they that turning them off would amount to suicide. And he uh, continues into paragraph 174. On the other hand, it is possible that human control over the machines may be retained. In that case, the average man may have control over certain private machines of his own, such as his car or his personal computer, but control over large systems of machines will be in the hands of a tiny elite, just as it is today, but with two differences. 
Due to improved techniques, the elite will have greater control over the masses, and because human work will no longer be necessary, the masses will be superfluous and a useless burden on the system. If the elite is ruthless, they may simply decide to exterminate the mass of humanity. If they are humane, they may use propaganda or other psychological or biological techniques to reduce the birth rate until the mass of humanity becomes extinct, leaving the world to the elite. Or if the elite consists of soft-hearted liberals, they may decide to play the role of good shepherds to the rest of humanity, the human race. They will see to it that everyone's physical needs are satisfied, that all children are raised under psychologically hygienic conditions, that everyone has a wholesome hobby to keep them busy, and that anyone who may become dissatisfied under those uh, under uh, dissatisfied undergoes treatment in quotes to cure his problem in quotes. Of course. Life will be so purposeless that people will have to be biologically or psychologically engineered either to remove their need for the, po the power process – that's a technical term he uses, the power process – or to make them sublimate their drive for power into some harmless hobby. These engineered human beings may be happy in such a society, but they most certainly will not be free. They will have, uh, they will have been reduced to the status of domestic animals. Uh, and that's also quoted in Kurzweil, uh, 1999, as I said. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I, didn't, I don't want to do a lot of commentary. We'll get to the commentary later in later segments. Okay. Uh, finally, Nick Bostrom um, in his uh, um, The Vulnerable World Hypothesis uh, sketches this vision of how we w might deal with the threat of technology. This is, a different, this is a solution to a different problem. This isn't the machines taking over. This is um, – this is the risk of machines taking over leads us to basically the same result. Uh, so let's have a look. Um, to secure ourselves against civilization, we should ask ourselves to secure ourselves against civilization ending new technologies. Would we accept the following? So this is Bostrom. For a picture of what a really intensive level of surveillance could look like, consider the following vignette. And this is, you know, the intensive surveillance would be necessary to secure ourselves against the technological threat of unknown apocalyptic technology and he calls it high-tech panopticon everybody is fi uh, fitted with a freedom tag a sequent to the more limited wearable surveillance devices familiar today such as the ankle tag used in several countries as a prison alternative the body cams worn by many police forces the pocket trackers and wristbands that some parents use to keep track of their children and of course the ubiquitous cell phone which has been characterized as a personal tracking device that can also be used to make phone calls the Freedom Tag is a slightly more advanced appliance, worn around the neck and bedecked with multi-directional cameras and microphones. Encrypted video and audio is continuously uploaded from the device to the cloud and machine interpreted in real time. AI algorithms classify the activities of the wearer, his hand movements, nearby objects, and other situational cues. If suspicious activity is detected, the feed is relayed to one of several Patriot monitoring stations. These are vast office complexes staffed 24-7. There are, there are there a freedom officer reviews the video footage, video feed on several screens and listens to the audio in headphones. The freedom officer then determines an appropriate action, such as contacting the tag wearer via an audio link to ask for explanation or to request a better view. The freedom officer can also dispatch an inspector, a police rapid response unit, or a drone to investigate further. In the small fraction of cases where the wearer refuses to desist from the prescribed activity after repeated warnings, an arrest may be made or other suitable penalties imposed. 
Citizens are not permitted to remove the freedom tag except while they are in environments that have been outfitted with adequate external sensors, which, however, includes most indoor environments and motor vehicles. The system offers fairly sophisticated privacy protections, such as automated blurring of intimate body parts, and it provides the option to redact identity-revealing data such as faces and name tags and release it only when the information is needed for an investigation. Both AI-enabled mechanisms and human oversight closely monitor all the actions of the freedom officers to prevent abuse. Okay? Giving a little bit of a wry smile there at the end. That's it for today. These are the visions that we should consider uh, when we talk about technological danger, and we will do so going forward. Signing off.